we don't remember the other spies we don't remember shamua we don't remember shafat we don't remember egal we don't remember palti we don't remember gadiel or gadi or satur or nabi but we remember caleb we don't remember the other spies because they melted in fear covid-19 has made fear our new currency said piper grange there's a sense of catastrophic possibilities we're not sure what's going to happen the fog of ambiguity pinches our confidence and security uh, we like clarity we hate ambiguity uppermost in our minds is how to survive how to stay healthy how to pay the bills how to be as normal as possible now i believe that these these concerns are legit in fact i am thinking about them as well you know fear according to piper grange is a is a system built in us a fear is that thing that gives you uh, a heads up fear allows you to double check and cross check and to over think and i mean to think and to analyze uh, what is going on fear a healthy dose of fear is a good thing but when you cannot sleep at night because the bills are keeping you out up fear has become unhealthy when you're constantly worried about that person and you're thinking about what they are doing uh, you're thinking about uh, uh, who they are texting when you're thinking about who they are calling fear has become unhealthy when you are washing your hands more than uh, five times in five minutes fear has become unhealthy when you wear three masks at the same time then you know that fear has become unhealthy fear becomes unhealthy when we fall into the cobweb of circular cognitive habits let me speak english cognitive cognitive habits are those circular thoughts those thoughts that you think about again and again you just can't get it out of your mind you when you're working it's on your mind when you're sleeping it's on your mind when you're talking it's on your mind when you're doing anything it's on your mind and and as you analyze those circular thoughts when you analyze if we are to use the local language those putar putar thoughts when you analyze those thoughts you realize that it is nothing but negative you you're thinking about what could be not what is 
So if we only stop for a moment and, and figure out, okay, I'm having this negative thought. It's been with me since I woke up. As I went to work, I've had this thought. As I, as I interacted with my coworkers, I've had this thought. If you pause for a moment and look at that circular cognitive habit, you begin to realize it is nothing but negative. It is simply you building what I call the castle of fear, that its foundation is nothing but uh, what could be, not what is. Fear can become very unhealthy. You see, as a Christian, I believe that your faith may freeze under the frost of fear if you let it. The reason why we remember Caleb is because he didn't allow fear to control him. Uh, he didn't allow himself, his faith to be, to be extinguished by the, the fears, the flames of fear. But rather he took his faith and he extinguished those flames. And that is why Caleb stands out. And I want to talk about his life for a moment. And I'm bringing you this concept this month and for the next couple of weeks. Faith under fire. I believe that we're going to face mountains in life. I believe that we're going to face challenges in life. The question will be, are you going to fear it or are you going to faith it? That's a question. And in this series, I want to contemplate on this notion of faith under fire. Looking at a man, Caleb, whom his faith was under fire. But how did he overcome the flames of fear and actually fire up his faith within him i am not sure and i don't know who this is for but i know that you're facing challenges i know that you're facing struggle i know that you're facing doubts in your mind the question is are you going to shrivel up or are you going to bloom under the flames of faith or are you going to extinguish and diminish under the flames of fear? Allow me to begin this biographical series on the life of Caleb in a story found in Numbers chapter 13. And I want to read the concluding verses of that particular chapter. Numbers chapter 13. And I want us to contemplate on verse number 27 to verse number 33. Uh, the word of God says, and these are the spies talking to Moses. Listen up very carefully. Then they told him, Moses, and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly, mm, it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. They brought Moses evidence of a land flowing with milk and honey. Nevertheless, Moses, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Not Anak in uh, Bahasa, but Anak, giants, big people. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. They're telling Moses, Moses, tutup, it's closed everywhere. We cannot get in. Verse number 30, though, uh, listen to this carefully. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once 
and take possession. Mm, I love this. Let us go up at once and take possession for, for we are well able to overcome it. Let us go up at once. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they, and, and, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a kind that devours its inhabitants. I found that to be amazing and strange because if the land devoured its inhabitants, they shouldn't have come back and reported to Moses. You feel what I'm saying? And all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature. And the last verse, there we saw the giants, the giants. The descendants of Anna came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. We saw ourselves in this way. Therefore, they saw us in the way we saw ourselves. That preaches by itself, but I'm not going to get into that right now yet. Let us pray. Father God, we pause to say thank you for the word that is about to be delivered. We ask you to speak in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. The trek of Israel has landed them to the doorsteps of Canaan. They have come from Egypt and now they're about to possess the promise that God had given uh, to them. The promise that God had made years earlier is now due and God is ready to repay it. You see, when God has delivered you, when God has taken you from a situation, he's bringing you to the land of promise. Listen to me, Gun, for a moment. When God has delivered you from your Egypt, whatever your Egypt look like, he brings you to the doorsteps of the land of promise. We read a very interesting characterization of Jesus and that is according to Paul that through Jesus uh, his promises the promises of God they are yes and yes and I know here in, in Bahasa we like to emphasize a term by repeating the word twice. We, we say teman teman. You know what I mean? We are saying this is really my friend. Now guess what? When it comes to promises of God they are yes <laughs> and yes. Somebody say amen. You see because when you have accepted Jesus, when you have allowed Jesus to enter your existence, you have put yourself on the highway to God's promises for you and I want somebody here to know that the day you accepted Jesus you landed on a wealth of promises and those promises God wants to give you those promises God wants to give into your hand and we find that the children of Israel they've been delivered from Egypt and God says let me take you to your promise yes that promise I made to your forefather Abraham about 600 years ago I'm ready to pay it God always pays his debts if God has told you he's going to do it believe me my brother and my sister God is going to do it for you I want you to know that God has a land of promise for you let that settle in for a moment God has a land of promise uh, for you I attended a retreat in the Bogo area some time ago, and when I got to this um, to this place, this facility, 
the organizer of the retreat uh, spoke to me and he says to me, Henry, welcome to this beautiful place. Uh, it has a pool. It has pool tables. It has nice beds, nice grass. It has a basketball court. It has a futile field. And all of these facilities are here for your use. All of these facilities are here for you. Make sure that you fully take advantage of them. Make sure that you fully possess them. And let me be honest, I have not swam in a pool um, uh, deeper than maybe uh, five feet since I've been here in, in Jakarta. But this pool at this facility was six feet deep. And I'm not six feet so definitely i was going to be submerged and i was happy and and sure enough i took possession of the, the the facilities i took possession of the things that were there and i utilized them and so i want you to understand that god has the same promises for you all you need to do is to take full advantage of those promises i remember the organizer telling me you have come very far from jakarta please do not leave here without enjoying the facilities to the full and i know that god has brought you from a far place god has brought you from a difficult situation god has taken you from what you thought you could never be taken out of god has lifted you up and elevated you you have come from very far but i want you to understand that god doesn't just bring you very far god brings you to a place that is 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 filled with promise all you have to do is to possess the promise all you have to do is to possess the land and this is the truth that is being emphasized in this story in verse number 13 verse number one to verse number two of 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 the chapter listen to this god telling moses moses i'm ready to pay i'm ready for the people to take their possession he says to moses send thou men that they may search the land of canaan which I give unto the children of Israel. You see, God asked Moses, Moses, I have a promise. I'm ready to deliver the promise. But what I need you to do is that I want you to send men to go check out the promise. You see, you need to understand this important truth. You need to see the promise for yourself. You need to see what God has promised. And here is the truth of the matter. You see, God knew exactly what was there. God knew that the land was good. God knew that it was a land flown with milk and honey. But none of those descendants of Abraham knew that. None of those defenders of Abraham had been to the land. And so God says, I need you to go to the land and go see the facilities of the land. You need to go see what is there because God wants us to understand exactly what he has promised. You know how it is sometimes you're looking on the, on the, on the web and you're looking at a resort or you're looking at a place that you want to go to for vacation. It is beautiful. It is nice. The Photos have been photoshopped. But when you get to the place, the picture and the place do not have a relationship. It seems as if the picture and the place have broken up. But I'm so glad that with God, the picture and the place, they have a relationship. The picture and the place, they have alignment. And so God knows what is there, but you and me do not know. So God says, see what I have promised. See 
See it for yourself. The text says, go and search out the land. That the word to search, it means to investigate. It means to look at it. It means to, to analyze. God is saying, I need you to go check it out, Gun. Mark, God is saying, I need you to go study it. I need you to go see that the facilities are there, that the, 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 the facilities are good. I need you to go to study it. I need you to see it. You see, this is, this is the truth of, 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 of why a car salesman wants you to drive the car before you buy it. Because he knows the car is good, but he knows you don't know that yet. And when you sit in the car and you're driving, the car will be like, yeah, um, this, is, uh, this is good. This is why when you, when you go to the store and, 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 and you have these sales ladies, they're trying to sell maybe some food. They'll let you taste it first because they know that it tastes good, but they, they know that you do not know that. And so a lot of times God understands that when he has promised things to us, we do not fully believe it yet. We do not fully understand it yet. And therefore he says, you know what? Don't just take my word for it. Why don't you experience it for yourself? So he says, come and search it out. Come and investigate. And, and here is the thing about God. God is not offended. God is not afraid. God is not shy to be asked questions. He's not shy to be a double checked and cross checked. God is not offended by that because what God says is what is. Because what God says is what is. But I need you to understand that when God was telling them go and investigate the land, he was not asking them to get information. He really wanted them to get a faith confirmation. You see, with God, it's not so much about information. It's not so much about what you know, but it's simply to confirm what he has said. <laughs> it's simply to confirm what he has said. And so a strong faith is more important than tactical information. So let me prove to you by a historical story. We are told of Germany's Nazi Hitler. I mean, Hitler's Nazi Germany. Uh, Germany was the, the power at, at that time. And there the Germans were, the Nazis were bombing all over Europe. And, and the story goes that if they had persisted for five minutes to bomb England, England would have fallen. But for some reason, uh, though Hitler had all the tactical advantage... He had all the tactical information, yet he was not able to defeat and capture England. Because there was a story told about this missionary. The name is, the name is Reese Howells. He opened up a school in Wales and every day for the length of the war, he would bring his staff together about 7 p.m. every night. From 7 p.m. to 12 midnight, he would bring his staff together and with this staff, they would get on their knees and they would pray. And the prayer was, Lord, do not allow England to fall. In fact, one major general, J.F.C. Fuller, said in an article, the demise of Hitler was the failure to capture England. And you know why Hitler failed to capture England? I mean, he had only five minutes to keep bombing because I believe the prayers of, of Reese Howell uh, were, were, were much stronger than the tactical advantage that Hitler had.
They are much stronger than the, the might and the power of Nazi Germany. Because when you have a strong faith, you tap into the master of tactical advantage, God. When you have a strong faith, you tap into the one who is all magnificent and all powerful. When you have faith, you are able to see red seas open. When you have faith, you are able to walk on dry ground. When you have faith, you are able to turn a mountain, a master seed into, into a big tree and into a mountain. When you have faith, you can see the dead resurrect. When you have faith, you can see amazing things happen. And so a strong faith is more important than a tactical advantage. And so God says to the people of Israel, go and see the land. Not for tactical information, but I want a, you to have a faith confirmation. To believe that what I have said is true. To believe that what I say is real. And what I really want you to understand is that this mission was really a faith-finding mission. This is the sermon title for today. A faith-finding mission. It wasn't a tactical information finding mission it wasn't a fact finding mission it wasn't that it was a faith finding a mission and so Moses calls up a group of the leaders of the nation and he says look here man God has spoken to me and he has allowed me to understand that it is time for us to possess what he has promised and I know that you men are a little bit older but we need younger men who can actually go out and and, and trek this 250 kilometer mile kilometer land and see what it is right there. Could you send to me representatives? And I believe that uh, Moses is saying, send me men who are wise, who are brave, men who can be agents, men who we can use as spies. And so I believe that they came from the CIA, the Central Israelite agency these men who came and and so a group of 12 uh spies came before moses and there they gathered and and and, and I, be, I want to believe that they were about 30 late 30s to mid 40s at least caleb the one we're going to talk about in this series was 45 so they were strong they were still able to uh, to move and so they came before moses and and, and you see, one of the things that uh, we tend to do when we're reading the scriptures is that we, we tend to pass by names. You know, he begat this one and that one begat this one. You know, it's, it's boring. But a lot of times names in the scriptures, they're so important. And so I want you to look at how Moses details the names of these 12 soldiers or spies that were sent. Let's look at the registration. And so I, I, I imagine Moses started calling out and he said, from the tribe of Reuben, do we have anybody? And so from the tribe of Reuben, a brother named Shamua said, I'm here. And the name Shamua means heard. From the tribe of Simeon, do we have anybody? And so a brother named Shaphat said, Shaphat, present. And Shaphat means judge. Moses asked, from Judah, do we have anybody? And so we heard, Brother Caleb, I'm here representing Judah. And Caleb means with all the heart. Moses continued the roll call. He said, from Issachar, do we have anybody? Egal, present. And Egal means avenger. What about Ephraim? Moses asked, Oshea, right here, sir. 
Hosea means savior. Now Moses continued his roll call. He said, from Benjamin, do we have anybody? Palti, right here, sir, ready to roll. <laughs> ready to go, sir. And Palti means delivered. Moses continued his roll call. He said, from Manasseh, from Zebulon, do we have anybody? And brother Gadiel said, I'm here. Uh, I'm here, ready to go. And Gadiel means fortune of God. And then we hear from Manasseh. Manasseh, is anybody from Manasseh here? And brother God, Gadi said, I'm here. And Gadi means fortunate. Moses continued the roll call and he said, what about Dan? Oh, I'm here from Dan right here. Moses continued. He said, what about from Asher? Asher right here, sir. Sethur. Sethur means hidden. What about from Naphtali? Right here, sir. Nabi right here. And Nabi means a secret. What about from God? God, right here, sir. Jeuel, majesty of God. When you contemplate on all these names, you begin to see that all of these names represented God's presence among the people. God's presence with the spies. So when God has sent you on a faith-finding mission, he does not allow you to go by yourself. God is with you. And Lord, notice this, the, the, the concept I want you to take is that God does not leave you alone in the possession of your promise. Many of you who have wanted to ride a bike when you were young, you notice that your parents put on training wheels on the bike and, and, and the bike was yours. It was your possession, but your parent understood that if I do not accompany my child on this possession of this promise of a bike, my child is going to suffer bumps and bruises. And so they put on you, Mark, they put on your bike uh, training wheels. And through these training wheels, they, they allow you to get on the bike and you're riding the bike. And it doesn't allow you to wobble and fall over because the training wheels are there holding you in place. But a good parent doesn't leave you on the training wheels alone. He is right behind you. And I want you to understand that God is always behind you. God is always with you. Because he understands that on the journey to your promise, on the journey to your possession, when you are knocking on your Canaan, he understands that there are giants in the land. He understands that there are difficulties there. And so God will not leave you alone. God. God is going to be with you. Hallelujah, somebody. You see, something amazing happens in the names that I need you to take note of. You see, there is one name that Moses changes. Oshea from Ephraim, the son of Nun, is changed to Joshua. In this sense, the name now does not only mean savior, but it means that God saves. Now, I want you to see this, that the, the name change happened in the hearing of the other spies. In other words, they heard it come out from the mouth of Moses uh, that God saves. They heard this name change and Moses is trying to help them to understand uh, that God is going with you. He is being represented in Joshua. By the way, Joshua is a type of Jesus. 
And so right here, when the spies are ready to go out on their mission, on their faith-finding mission, the author and the finisher of our faith is right there with them. Hallelujah, somebody. So in your journey of faith, you are not alone. You are with Jesus. He begins the journey with you. He continues with you. And you're going to finish it with him. I want you to understand that I don't know who this is for. Do not lose heart, my brother. Do not lose heart, my sister. God through through this man we call Joshua being represented as a as a type of Jesus is right there with you and by the way this name change is significant because anytime that there was a name change when Abraham Abram went to Abraham God was about to give the fulfillment he was about to give the promise and we know that after the name was changed from Abram to Abraham, Abraham became a father of many. He had this son, Isaac. But you know something about Isaac? Isaac was not the doing of Abraham or Sarah. Isaac was the doing of God. Let us sing it for a moment. It was the doing of God. In other words, Abraham and Sarah were just there for the ride. So when you're on a faith-finding mission, you're just there for the ride. It is God who is going to be working. But what God needs from you is for you to follow. And this is the critical, critical component that we need to understand. Though God may not be, may, may, God may be leading the way, but God needs somebody to follow. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, I mean, it doesn't make sense. You, you, we, we look for followers on, 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 on Instagram. We look for followers on Facebook because that's how it goes. And so God oftentimes is saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow my way. I want you to follow my will. I want you to follow my way, not your own. And too many times, I have to be honest with you that I have a hard time always following the will of God. Because somehow in my heart, somehow in my thinking, I want to do my own thing. And unfortunately, many of us, we want to follow our own ways. And when we follow our own ways, we often end up in a ditch. Another name stands out, and I want to... I want you to pay attention to the name. The name is Caleb. You see, the name Caleb means all of the heart. Because you see, when you are on the path that God has set, you will need to give all of your heart into it. That is, you will need to be totally committed. You will need to totally follow the will of God. You need to totally say yes to the Lord. It's not a lip service. It is a heart service. You know what a lip service is? Yes, I'll do it, but don't do it. But a heart service is, I feel it in my heart, I desire it in my heart, and Lord, because you have said it, I'm going to do it. And unfortunately, many of us, we have a lip service towards God, but our heart is lacking. And that's why Jesus would say, their mouth speaks a lot of things. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But their heart is very far from me. But here we see that Caleb is a man who put his total heart into the will of God. He was a man who said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to follow your will and your way. However you say it, Lord, I'm going to do this. However you wish it, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. And so when God has, has, has been leading us to our journey of faith, when God is leading us to possess our promise, what we need to believe is that God is going to take us to the, to, the, to the promised land, that God is going to give us exactly what we need because he's with us right there. He's right there every step, guiding us through and through. Now you see, 
after this uh, roll call or registration of the names, Moses delivers the 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 word to them you know he calls them he he takes their names but he delivers the word to them and notice the words that he delivers to the people he says to them go up into the negev or negeb and go up into the hill country and see what the land is whether the land is good or bad uh, one version put it nicely it said go and see if 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 the land is really all that God has promised. Uh, Moses is saying, go and check it out to see if what God has said is really, really true. Go out there and investigate. Begin from the southernmost tip of Judah in the wilderness of Zeb or the wilderness of Sin or Paran. Begin right there. Make it all the way to the north of Rehob. Travel that 250 uh, kilometers and then go and come back and bring a report and so these spies what they did is they began from the wilderness of Paran they went all the way to Rehob north and then they descended down south and came back to Hebron and there at Hebron their eyes why became wide and and there they saw grapes I mean these were huge grapes and they looked at it and says man this is nice this is beautiful. This is, this is great. They saw something else at Hebron. They saw the descendants of Anak, these giants. And Hebron was on a mountain. And they saw all of this. And, and right there they said, you know what? This is nice. This is beautiful. So what they decided to do is that they took a part of the grapes and they put it on a stick. And two men carried it on their shoulders going back to Moses. Now, now. When we go to Grand Lucky or Fresh, uh, Fresh Market or Carrefour or any other supermarket that you may go, we don't put grapes on our shoulders. Goon, you don't do that. Mark, you don't do that. <laughs> you put them in a little bag, you pay for them, and you go out your way. But, but the fact that they put them on their shoulders, it was simply to show that this land was a really good land. This land is everything that God has said. But it is significant that the place that they went to was Hebron. Because it is a Hebron that God had promised <laughs> had promised the Israelites, or not the Israelites, he had promised Abraham that I'm going to give you this land. And I know that because of the oral history of the Israelites, they knew that God had promised the land to them, to Abraham at Hebron. And so for them to come back to Hebron, it's, to Hebron, it's like everything has become full circle. And right here, God is really saying to them, this land is yours. And so truly, after investigating, after searching out the land, what God had said became true. And when they came back to Moses, listen to these words. They came back to Moses and said, you know, Moses, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. In other words, when you go on a faith-finding mission, you find precisely what God has promised. Exactly what God has been telling you is exactly what you're going to find. There's not going to be a disconnect between the promise and the possession. But the promise and the possession, they're going to be in sync. You see, when God has promised you, I'm going to give you peace. That is precisely what God is going to give you. Peace. When God has said, I'm going to give you an abundant life. That is precisely what God is going to give you, an abundant life. When God has said to you that no temptation is 
uncommon to you. That is precisely what God means. And then he says, I'm going to give you a way to escape. And that is exactly what is going to happen. When God has told you that your sins, though they are bad and they're, they're, they're terrible. But when he says, I'm going to forgive you, that is exactly what you're going to find. That is forgiveness. It's not going to be a, a point less or a point more. Exactly what God has told you is exactly what is going to be there. And I want you to understand, brother and sister, that you need to experience this for yourself. You need to see that truly God is, is really for me. Because when you can truly see that God is really for me, then it is a lot easier and a lot, a lot, a lot, it is a lot easier for you to trust God, especially in the dark moments. And I know, and I believe that somebody right now is in a dark moment. You don't understand what is going to happen. You do not see the future. Things are ambiguous, not clear, and you're wondering what is going on. But I'm inviting you this morning that you need to investigate at least one promise of God investigate it see it for yourself and when you've experienced it then you know that my goodness whatever God is promising next I'm going to really have it and so when you go on a faith finding mission truly what God has promised is going to be the reality now this faith finding mission becomes very tragic because even though the land was full of milk and honey gun. Notice what the spies say. You know, I, I, when I'm listening to people and talk, or when people are talking, telling me, telling me good things, the moment they say but is when I, I'm like, yeah, okay, now nah, that's the real issue right there. It was good, but. Eh? Good. It was good, but. So here, the, the, the people... The spies, 10 of them, to tell Moses, Moses, man, you know what? What God has promised is true, but uh, there's a problem. Because the people who dwell there are strong. Uh, let, let, let me tell you about it. The cities are fortified and very large. Additionally, the descendants of Anak are there. Moses, the Amalekites dwell in the south of the country. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. Moses, let's tell you the, the, the true story. And the Canaanites dwell by the, by the banks of the Jordan. Mo, 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 Moses, I don't think that we can actually possess this land because it is... It is it is bigger than us. It is, it, is, it is stronger than us. The people there, mm, Moses, I don't think we are ready yet. I mean, whatever God said is true, but I don't think we're in a position yet. And sometimes some of us are just like that. We hear the promise of God. We know God is about to do amazing things, but we say, yeah, but I'm not ready yet. Oh, yeah. We find an excuse. You see, when fear becomes your currency, when, when you panic, you magnify the problem. When you are afraid, what is little becomes big. And so here, the, the, the people are emphasizing their problems. Were the people stronger than them? For sure. Were the inhabitants of, 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 of the land as, as, as big? In fact, they were about nine feet tall. 
So they were huge. And, and that was a reality. But what God was trying to help them to understand that you cannot possess my promise without faith. You cannot possess the promise without you believing that what you see is not the problem. But what can be is the promise. And too many of us, what we can see becomes a problem. We don't see the promise that can be. But we need to understand that when we feel, we see difficulties, when we face challenges, when our faith is under fire, we need to understand that the possession cannot come unless we have faith to believe in what God can do. I want you to understand that the day you graduate from what will be, to, uh, from the day you graduate from what is, to what will be, is the day that you master the art of faith. You see, I want you to understand that the, 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 each and every one of us, we need what I call a degree of faith. Uh, whether it be a bachelor's or a master's or a PhD, I recommend PhD. We need a degree of faith to believe that God, God can really do what he says. But I don't look at the situation I see. I look at the situation that can be. And Caleb... <laughs> Caleb was not looking at what was. Caleb was, was looking at what could be. And that's why he says to the people, let us go up at once. Uh, let's, not, um, let's not debate about this. Let's not think about this. Uh, Caleb was not considering what he could do. Caleb was considering what God could do. Caleb didn't see the problem. He saw the promise. And so I want you to understand that faith makes possessing possible faith makes it possible to see you know what lord what you're giving me is really going to happen and notice the lightning quick speed in the perception of caleb he says let us go up at once right now let's do it it's not time to delay it's not time to investigate. It is not time to write a report. It is not time to write a book. It is not time to think about it. It is not time to do a feasibility study. It is not time to do research. It is time to act. Because God has said it. Let's go ahead and do it. And so you see, you need to see possibilities based on God's word. Don't see possibilities based on Pastor Henry's word. Because Pastor Henry's word may not be a true word. Don't see possibilities based upon what your father or your mother are saying. See possibilities based on God's word. Don't see possibilities based upon the word of your boss. See possibilities based on God's word. Don't see possibilities based upon the vendor you're trying to get in business with. See possibilities based on God's word. Don't see possibilities based upon the, the, the manager of your company. See possibilities based upon God's word. It is God's word. It is what God says. It is what God utters that matters. And so when God has said it, you need to believe it. When God has proclaimed it, you need to possess it. When God has declared it, you need to be delivered by it. When God has said it, my brother and sister, you need to move forward by it. See possibilities based on God's word. You see, these brothers saw possibilities. They saw, they, no, they, they saw problems. And I want you to see how they framed it. You see, they, they, they said, you know, we went to the land you sent us. I want you to think about that for a moment. 
this sending was not something that Moses did. It was something that God asked him to do. But when they were going, they were not going as if God is sending them. <clears throat> Sometimes we are praying, but we're not really believing it. That's what's going on right here. They, you sent us. They, didn't, they were not thinking that God has sent them. And you see, when you do not see God in your life, it is impossible for you to possess what he has. Because they could not see God in it. They saw how good it was, but they could not see the goodness of God. They could not see the power of God to give them this land. And so they developed a perception based upon their own thinking, not upon what God has said. And as long as your perception, how you feel, how you think, how you look at it is driving you, yes, you're going to see good around you. You're going to see a good job. You're going to see a good man. You're going to see a good woman. You're going to see a good church. You're going to see a good situation. But you're seeing a good situation is not enough. You need to see God in a good situation. You need to believe that God is in this. God can give me this. Don't look at it as something that is impossible because last time that I checked, we serve a God of the possible. So they developed perceptions based upon their own thinking and they magnified the problem. When you panic, you magnify your problem and that is what is going on right here. But I want to suggest to you that you need to learn to use God's vocabulary. You need to learn to use God's vocabulary. Do not use your own vocabulary. Do not use your own thinking. But you need to use the vocabulary of God. And notice what Caleb said. Using the vocabulary of God. He says let us go up at once. Caleb was not speaking his own vocabulary. Caleb was speaking God's vocabulary. Because God had said to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 verse 8. I will bring you up. And notice what, what Caleb does. He says let us go up. Because God has said, I will bring you up. <laughs> so, so here's a beautiful thing. Because he was thinking God's word, he is speaking God's word. It is actually making him act as God. That is the power in the word of God. So when you speak out those promises of God, when you say to yourself that I'm a child of God, guess what? You are really a child of God. And so you need to learn to speak God's vocabulary because what you call something becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you name something becomes exactly what it will become for you. And too many of us, we are naming things the wrong things. We are using the wrong vocabulary on, on our problems. We are not properly defining them. We are not properly looking at them. And because we are not properly defining them, we are defining them by our own thinking. Therefore, we are falling into problems. But if we can change our thinking, how we see it, using God's vocabulary. Yes, I am sinful. I am wicked. But God says, I can be a child of God. When you change the vocabulary from sinful to being a child of God, guess what? You transform from a sinner to a child of God. You transform from being bad to being good. And so what you name something is important. And I'm suggesting to you that you need to learn to use God's vocabulary. So more, Caleb says, let us go up at once because God has said he'll bring us up. <laughs> I'm going to do it because God said he would do it through me. I'm going to do it because God has promised and therefore I have no need to fear. 
Because I'm looking at the promise more than the problem. And so and, uh, the, 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 the people drown out Caleb. Very sad. In verse number 33, very, very, very sad. They said, we are like grasshoppers. They looked, they defined not only the situation, but they defined themselves. They, they, they said, we are like grasshoppers. So they, they painted themselves in, in a certain manner. They said, we are grasshoppers. You know what they're doing? They were putting themselves down. And too many of us are good at putting ourselves down. I am not good enough. Uh, granted, sometimes we develop those, that kind of thinking because of those around us, what they tell us and that kind of thing. And we develop negative outlook about ourselves and we put ourselves down. Granted. But remember, you have the, 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 the choice to choose what am I going to call myself? And some of us, we, we, we take away from our very own dignity and our, our, what God is trying to put into us. We take it away by saying, I'm not good enough. I'm a, I'm a grasshopper. Man, I, I think you can be the CEO. Uh, I'm, I'm a grasshopper. Now, you can sing. I'm a grasshopper. Uh, no, no, no. You, I'm a grasshopper. Now, when you see yourself as a grasshopper, guess what? People are going to see you as a grasshopper. When you take away from yourself, when you put yourself down, it's not a sign of humility. No. <laughs> In fact, you are taken away from what God wants to do for you. Caleb says, nah, I'm not going to be a grasshopper. Right now, I'm going to fight. Right now, I'm going to go up. Right now, I'm going to do this. Let us go ahead and do this. So Caleb refused. Caleb refused to be called a grasshopper. He says, nah, I'm not going to do that. Because Caleb understood the promise Caleb understood what God was trying to do uh, for him. And so I came to tell you today that we need to go on a faith-finding mission. To believe that what God has promised is true. And wherever God is leading us is going to be true. Whatever God has promised us, we're going to possess. But what we need is faith to possess what God has promised. God has promised you an abundant life. Why don't you possess it today? God is promising you a life free from fear. Why don't you possess it today? God is promising you victory over temptation and sin. Why don't you possess it today? Pastor, I, I want to possess it, but I'm not really sure what it is like. Faith finding mission right there. That's what you need. When your faith is under fire, what you need is a faith-finding mission. I need to find my faith. Taking God's promise, exploring it for yourself, investigating. And then once you know what it is like, man, do not say, ah, it's a problem. No, look at the possession, look at the promise, and go about once and do it. I want to challenge you this week. Take a promise of God. Whatever your favorite promise is, take that promise and tell God, Lord, I, I want to put this promise to it on a faith-finding mission. I want, to, I want to find faith in this. I want to confirm what you have promised. I'm not looking for tactical information. I'm not looking for an advantage. I'm looking for a confirmation that truly this is really real. And I want to experience it in my life. I don't know if you want to join me, but I want to do that this week. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you because of the opportunity you have given us today to understand that we need to go on a faith-finding mission. 
We need to learn from you. We need to understand exactly what it is that you have promised for us. And my brothers and sisters, they have uh, risen up to the challenge today saying, yes, Lord, we are going to go on this faith-finding mission. We, we want to be like Caleb and, and really go up at once and possess the promise because you are a God of promises. You don't lie. You're not a man who should lie. I want to encourage a brother and a sister today who may be down and discouraged. Please, Lord, lift them up. Help them to, to experience your promise. Help them to experience your power and your grace. This I pray in the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you next week.